Welcome to the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy. We are your hosts of the Meaning Academy podcast, Dr. Daniel Franz and Dr. Baruch Halevi. In this podcast, we explore the insights and inspiration of Dr. Victor Frankel and all things meaning, purpose, and resilience. Thanks for joining us. And now let's begin our search for meaning. So welcome back to the Meaning Academy podcast. We are your hosts, Dr. Daniel Franz, and I am Dr. Baruch Levy, also known as B, and we are excited to get back into action after, what, two, three weeks of, at least not in our regular rhythm, because we both have been on the go, and Dan, you have been really on the go. What's going on, buddy? You know, it's funny. It's crazy to think it's only, only been two or three weeks, because B, my heart calls for you, brother. Like it feels like, like years, man, like years since we've talked and, and decades since, uh, since we were together. Um, that was part of my journeys this summer. Um, uh, what I like to call the last great family road trip. My good personal friend, friend of the show, the running man, uh, had been wanting to do this trip to, uh, out, out West for, for years as, as two families and the opportunity to come visit you certainly presented itself. So uh, we put on 3,000 miles with our with our lovely wives and our children and, and uh, you know, really wanted to share that experience, um, getting out and seeing something different than farmland and, and doing it with our kids and our families. And then again, the opportunity to come see just so much meaning wrapped up in one week, connection, experience, creativity, uh, self-transcendence. Let me tell you, driving 3,000 miles in a rental vehicle <laughs> is a heck of a way to transcend your own self or self. Through Nebraska. Through Nebraska. Did I hit Nebraska? I don't know. It's been so long, man. Um, I know Nebraska was there at some point. There's only, that's only one of your travels, right? Then you just got back from overseas. Correct. So, <clears throat> excuse me. That's uh, probably definitely what you're hearing in my voice. Uh, just returned from an agricultural tour of Ireland. And people look at me and say, wait, a what? An agricultural tour? So let me give you the long version. Not, because to, mention you, not to mention you left the Midwest to go do that. I mean, it's not like you're in New York City. <laughs> well, that's, that is kind of the interesting thing is, uh, you know, as I joke, we live here in Farmville. I'm not sure why we had to go to Ireland to visit farms. I do now, you know, before the trip, I didn't know why we had to go to Ireland to visit farms. But upon that experience, um, it was it was quite meaningful. Um, but the long story: several years ago, my oldest daughter, who's now off in college, twenty one years old, she comes. She was in high school. She comes to me. She says, "Dad, my history teacher wants to go to South America and see Machu Picchu before they close it. Can I go?" I'm like, uh, "Yeah, I guess. Is there a meeting? Can I get some details? Am I just? Is this just a box I'm checking?" So the teacher has an informational meeting. We meet. And uh, it sounds amazing, right? So it's basically an educational tour company. And uh, I said, "Hun, we've we've got some time. We'll do some, uh, you know, we'll we'll pay it off a little bit by like little, and we'll do some fundraising for the for the whole group. Absolutely. And and I'm gonna find a way to chaperone as well, right? Like, who's more qualified than a former soccer coach for all these kids and a psychotherapist? I'm like, this guy needs me on this trip. And that's pretty much what I told him in an email. And he said, you know what? You're right. You're pretty qualified. You're, uh, you know, you could be the third chaperone. I'm like, wait, third? 
<laughs> Who the heck's more qualified? He said, well, my wife's more qualified. She's going as the first chat or second chat pro. So we go do Machu Picchu. It's amazing. And this uh, history teacher and I form a, a great friendship. He's a good guy. His next trip he plans is Greece. Uh, Greece was about the time my, my youngest daughter was going through high school. I said, yep, you can go to Greece. I'll chaperone with him. And, uh, of course, that gets pushed back due to COVID. It was just last year, her uh, going into her senior year. And he calls, it's, a, it's in, the, in the summer. He calls me in January. He says, Dan, I got bad news. We're going to have to do something about this trip. He said, I took a new job and I can't leave the trip. I'm like, oh, man, my daughter's going to be heartbroken. He says, no, 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 no. You get to lead the trip. You get to take all these kids. I'm like, oh, man, I'm not a teacher, bud. That's not my job. But I did. Uh, you know, took the reins, took, uh, I don't know, 10 or 12 kids from her class, took her, met up with some teachers from uh, Alabama and Virginia, saw all of Greece, the Parthenon, great stuff. And ironically, if you if you look at Joe Rogan's social media this week, he's up there at the Parthenon in the 112 degree temperature. Wow. So did Machu Picchu, did Greece. And uh, it was almost some kind of uh, a penance, maybe some kind of uh, retribution that this this Ireland trip was still on the schedule. He had taken a new job. I, I tried my hardest to pass it on. I even talked to the ag teacher at the girls' school. I'm like, come on, this is your thing, man. Go see some dairy cows and feed. He's like, no, nah, I can't. So I took another 10, 12 students, met up with uh, students and, and group leaders from Oregon, New York, and Texas. We met wow. some really great people. And I, I think the best part of doing something like this. Um, I didn't want to do it. I, I love travel. I don't know if Ireland was really on my bucket list. Met amazing people. The group leader is, is like, if anybody ever wants to go to Ireland, let me know. I'll introduce you to, to Sharon McGuire. Uh, He's a good dude. He can put away a pint like nobody's business. Um, but the, the interesting part about the educational component was these sustainable, um, diverse, tour you know tourism oriented farms in ireland which is spectacular see and a reminder of maybe some of the things we don't quite do well in our uh, production oriented quantity oriented society well it sounds like um really uh meaningful back to our advertising our a meaningful experience yeah so many points of meaning along that trip seeing young people light up um, just getting on an airplane for the first time, much less seeing different cultures and experiencing new things. I mean, introducing them to, to, to the meaning of travel and connection and socializing and seeing relationships where maybe you didn't even know they existed between two different countries. But then also uh, <laughs> the meaning of suffering. Um, you know, part of my initial lecture on that tiny little school bus heading to O'Hare Airport was, uh, hey, once you walk out that door and get on this bus, the, the word of the day is flexibility because ain't nothing going to go right for the next 10 days. And, and you have to adapt and thrive and, and see how that works for you. I think that's a good jumping off point to a larger conversation. And I think relevant conversation for everybody listening as we're recording this, it happens to be summer. And um, summer is, of course, probably the prime time for people, for families in particular, to travel obvious reasons. And um, I think it's important to remember why we're traveling, why we're going on vacation. I see, I've experienced in my own life when I don't set that intention, 
like you did. I don't have somebody on my bus, so to speak, telling, reminding me that the, the rules of the road need to be different, that this week or two weeks or whatever the period of time is needs to be outside the rhythms and the routines or else it's not a, literally, it's not a vacation, vacation to vacate, to leave. And yet, how often do we just go on a quote unquote vacation and not really leave? Well, and that's such a good point. One of my favorite exercises with the Myers-Briggs, right? When I do a corporate consultation, uh, one of the points is to ask the group, all right, I want you to line up based on how you plan your vacation from minute by minute, every five minutes, you know exactly what you're doing and what the agenda is to uh, we're getting in the car or getting on a plane and we're going somewhere and we don't know what's going on. And it's always amazing to me to see the diversity of people and how they view each other once they recognize those that simple personality difference. And, and I agree with you. We have to vacate the everyday for rejuvenation, for relaxation, to experience. I mean, either way, whether you're playing, whether I call it the Disney vacation, right, where you have to plan every 15 minutes to optimize um, or just the, uh, the relaxed vacation where you're going somewhere with water and sand or trees and mountains and just laying around and sitting by a campfire. Um, it's it's a really important reminder of a teaching. I think it was Earl Nightingale. Somebody said, "What is a routine?" Because mm -hmm. we live our lives in routines. You know, we 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 need routines. We all have them. I bet you haven't even thought about most of your routines during your day, but we need them. But if you don't stand guard against a routine, he said, a routine turns into a rut, mm -hmm. right? And a rut's this stuck place and you still are going through the same motions, but it's no longer, um, you know, routines can be liberating because they give you structure, but ruts just are stifling. And a rut, he said, is essentially just a grave with both ends knocked out. And he, yeah. Yeah. Uh, agreed. A lot of the reading I'm doing right now, uh, especially, I think I shared with you, I'm reading a book called Drunk, how uh, substances um, relate to the beginning of civilization. And, and one of the points about, um, substance use, particularly alcohol, is that as we age, um, you know, our brains, the gray matter turns to white matter, right? Our ability to be flexible and create, you, know, you look at a five-year-old, they can take uh, a, 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 a pad of post-it notes and come up with a hundred different uses. You pass that to you and I in an environment and, and we may come up with five. And that's because we've used post-it notes for the majority of our lives. And we use it for a particular thing. And not to make paper airplanes anymore or Chinese throwing stars or whatever we did in you know fifth grade. And part of the theory is both substance and vacation allows us to kind of shut off that part of our brain that has become hardened to routine um, and, and stuck in that routine and allows the creativity to flow again. And so, you know, transitioning that, what I'm reading on substance use to vacation, that is so important. And a vacation doesn't have to be a week or two weeks. It can be a day or a long weekend. Or, I mean, when it comes to, you know, marriages and relationships, it can be an evening or an overnight, but they are all so necessary in different ways for us to get out of our ruts and, and to work that different part of our brain that changes by nature as we age. Have we, have we talked about the Lego movie? I forget. Was that something I don't movie? recall it, but I do feel like I sound a little bit by, like Batman today. <laughs> no, you, um, but you reminded me of, I love that movie. Um, and I love it because it's such a deep teaching. And, you know, it's no spoiler alert because it's been up for like 10 years or 15 years. Um, 
the, the antithesis of a Lego. So a Lego is by definition a building block. And it's there's nobody likes the instructions with a Lego. I don't mean many people, maybe type ones in my Enneagram system, but not many. Um, they throw the, the instructions out the window and you just end, they all end up in a bin at some point. And you just build freely, right? You just create. It's creative. It's a creative process. And the whole movie is about a kid who just wants to build and be creative. And he's up against what? What is he up against? Who's the the evil? Up against Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Taco Tuesday. He's not up against Taco Tuesday. He's up against the Craggle. Right, but what didn't it was yeah. a Craggle something yeah. about? Yeah, yeah they were going to do it. That was their substance. I think that's how they lured him, right? That's what it was. Um, but the, the craggle, craggle, and I loved it because it was so creative, right? At the end, it was crazy glue, craggle. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the antithesis of a Lego is crazy glue. It's it's a permanent fixture of that playfulness. And so I just think that that's what we're really getting into right now is as, as adults, you know, you become responsible and we sort of assume that it means, you know, sort of serious rigid right structured and yes that has its place but we're also still kids we're also supposed to have that free-flowing creativity lego piece that we just lose we lose it in routines that turn into ruts that turn into graves and so we're talking at a deep level about how do you break out of that craggle <laughs> i love it it's a deep conversation about craggle <laughs> excuse me um, you know, you make a really good point. I love the Lego analogy because I was about ready to just jump right in and disagree with you. Um, because are you that guy, you, know, are you that guy who, who reads the instructions and builds the Legos by instruction manual? Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, when I do, it's, it's been a while. It has been a while, but I think about some of the, uh, uh clients, um, younger adult men who buy the Lego because they want the Star Wars diorama or the, the Marvel character uh, vehicle or something like that. I know a, a guy uptown, my, one of my favorite brewmasters, right? He's like, I got the Death Star, right? It's like a six foot long, uh, like he's been working on it for years because, the, because his point is because the instruction book, which he keeps like a Bible, is this thick. And that's what we do as we age. We want that structure. We get used to that structure. We get used to a life of following directions day in and day out. You give that same giant box of 10 million pieces of Legos to a five-year-old, they'll never see the instruction book again. And you'll have so many variations of what those Legos should look like. So I agree with you. As we age, as our brains do the natural thing that we do, that they do, as our behavior becomes routinized, we do need to break away from it. So how do we do that? Vacation is one thing, but I think B, we live in a world today where too many people give back their vacation to the dollar. Meaning they buy the experience. They, they sell it to work. Some people don't even take vacations. Right. Yeah. But I also see, um, you know, there's a confusion with vacation and spending money, right? Like it has to be a club med or whatever the, you know, the destination where like, this is what it, and this is how it's, and, th and that's just more of the same. It's more control. Try, I saw this when I was in New York city, as you know, I was there for 10 days with my kids on a dance tour thing that they were on and um, walking down times square. First of all, I was saturated with people, but it's even harder than the last time I was there. Cause I didn't remember this. You can't walk anymore down the sidewalks because everybody's taking pictures or videos of 
yeah. or, or selfies or ussies, according to uh, Ted Lasso. And uh, I, I just like, like, is you're not inside the experience. You're outside of it. You're you're filming the experience, which to me is by definition, not the experience. I totally agree with you. I, I, I speak to my family about this all the time. And to those kids that were on the trip with me, I, I, we talked about that a lot. You know, that is, as you and I talk about, it's the nature of mindfulness, being in the experience, taking the time to see the sights and to enjoy it, not just to, you know, there's, there's two steps there to taking a selfie or an ussy. Is that for you and your memory and posterity to bring it back up? Okay, maybe some validity there. More nefarious is the idea of taking that selfie to spread to the world on your social media platforms. Look at me, look at me, I'm in this place. And that is the birth of some, uh, and I hate or, this word, but narcissistic or, behavior. But or or and and it's to to craggle it. Yes, to craggle it. To fix it in time so that it's permanent. Because if I can just take enough of these, it's like it's forever. And honestly, who the hell goes back and looks at videos of generic videos of the Statue of Liberty that you're not actually in? You're just taking like just YouTube it for that at that point. I don't even understand what the point is of videoing something if you're not even in it. But whatever, I get, I see the impulse and I can feel the fear. And to me, that's what we're talking about. It's coming from this fear. It's a fleeting moment. I want to hold on to it. I want to craggle it. I want to super glue it so that it is always permanent. And it's not. It's just... no. And that should be, you know, what should be permanent is its impact on us. And we know it's not going to be. But, you know, upon returning, upon, you know, in, enjoying it, first of all, enjoying it with the friends, the family, the people that you're with, um, you know, it's, it's ironic. Wow. This not, not to pat ourselves on the, on the back or our bald heads be, but, um, you know, in our time together in Colorado, not one ussy. And I think there may be one picture on one of our wives' smartphones. And that was about in the rain. <laughs> Um, and maybe only because the running man suggested it. So um, not only do we preach this, but we also live it <laughs> at the point I'm saying. Well, with mugs like ours, it's not easy to avoid the ussy, but yes. Well, and that's true. And the fact that we do an ussy together from <laughs> a distance every week. Um, and I just think that we are so binary in our vacation work or regular life experience right now. We've divided it. I see this also with retirement people who are working to retire, right? I'm working so I can stop working. These are binary, like almost like mutually exclusive realities where it's either in one or in the other. And when, and then when that happens, how many funerals have I officiated at of a person who retired to die quickly there shortly thereafter, because it wasn't what they had hoped it was. And all they knew was now behind them. You've got to integrate from the start, from today forward. You have to integrate, I don't know, work life with real life, with your life outside. It, it shouldn't be separate, right? It shouldn't be, I'm going to, you know, bust my my tail 60 hours a week so I can quit doing that sooner. It's like, but where, what are you living now then? And where I'm is life the, now? And the same thing with vacations, right? It can't be, yeah. I take vacations in June. It's got to be, no, I vacate the premises every Wednesday night with my wife when we go out to dinner or every Sunday if I'm Christian as the Sabbath or whatever, however you vacate, vacate on a regular basis 
that's how it becomes real. Yeah. And it's interesting that, that idea of vacate, it takes work, right? We are, we are hosting a, I'm going to call it a vacating weekend for uh, friends, including the running man and his family um, where, you know, we live in Farmville. A lot of, a lot of our friends live in cities and it's like, you know what, we're just going to come up to Farmville and sit around and hang out and, and chat and commute and communicate with our kids and each other. And it's a lovely weekend and we do it every year and it's work for everybody, but God, it's so beautiful. I mean, it's a great opportunity. And that was kind of one of the points I wanted to make. Many people will challenge this idea with, you know, guys, that's great. Um, but vacation costs money and I would challenge, and maybe we need to offer some examples of how you can vacate how you can get out of the rut without spending excessively or without spending at all. And I'll tell you, this weekend is an example of it. People pile in their cars, they come up here and we sit around and eat the food we would have eaten anyway, maybe a little bit more at home and, and enjoy time together. What other ways can people vacate? Can they find meaning in these experiences without spending a bunch of money? Um, so here's a big one, and this is free and it's good for you on every level. Um, take a, take a 24 hour period. Oftentimes I'll do it on Saturday since I'm Jewish and that happens to be the Jewish Sabbath, but I don't always do it. Turn off your electric electronic devices. Just go 24 hours Stop with it. no screens, no Dr. Dan. I know it's going to be hard not to uh, listen to this podcast, but my son's been doing that right now. He's in Israel during an internship and you know, he's not fully religious, but he's taken on a few of the pieces. And in Israel, Saturday is the, the day of rest. And so he just, he's not using his phone. And he said, you know, he's 21 years old. That's almost, that's almost like re revolutionary when you're 21 years old to not respond to text, to not look at Facebook or whatever he's on. And he said, it's been the most liberating thing he's done in his past few years. That's free. Just hit off. Yeah, I, I know when I've done that, getting out to the woods and hiking with friends, it's an amazing experience. It is totally freeing. And I actually know another therapist in my area who uh, who commits to that every Saturday. She and her husband, all the devices, everything's just shut off, and they just lay around and relax all day Saturday. And they're not even religious whatsoever. It's just a healthy thing to do. It's a very spiritual return. So it's not a religious thing anymore. It's a, it's a getting back to your essence, to your nuos, as we call it. Mm -hmm. um, another big thing is walk out the door without your phone. It's, mm -hmm. it's such an interesting experience in this day and age. People start panicking. My wife, Ariella, started panicking because I she didn't have her phone. And she thought I brought my phone. We're just walking to dinner, literally. We're walking. And I didn't bring it. I specifically didn't bring it. And she turns to me like, what if the kids need it? So I'm like, what did we do when we went, you know, 12 hours without access to our parents? Or, right. you know, them to us? Right. It's crazy. Yeah. But it was, but it felt liberating. It felt like we were outside the routine. I can't explain it. I'm sure everybody knows what that's like. But there was this, like, I, mean, I just vacated the normal rhythms of the Halevi home. Yeah. So... Two examples of vacating your phone and connection and, and the impact of constant contact. But your point also of sometimes just step out the door, go for a walk, whether you're in town or in the city, in the suburbs, wherever you're at, step out your door and just go walk for a half hour, for an hour, for two hours. Or if you have a place near you, I know I'm, I'm blessed to have a, a state park nearby. 
go to the state park and just walk in the woods. It's an amazing experience without a phone again. Is that but the potato, to embrace. potato state park? Is that what it's called? How did you know that? I know that. Yeah, I know these things. Because because one of our listeners, Nancy, said, I'm going to go meet Dr. Dan. He lives near Potato State Park. Oh, that's right. That was one of our meeting seekers. She, yeah, like, she's going to be here. the worst name of a state park ever. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, I, I did just come back from Ireland. No, no, no. It's Potato Creek. Okay, Potato oh. Creek State Park. So, oh, my goodness. Um, yes. Um, so, walks. And, and you know what? But honestly, walks in the woods are good. Walks in the city are good. Walks in the suburbs are good. You open yourself up to what I've talked about before, that that just planned happenstance. Who you might run into, what you might run into, what you might see, or just breathing fresh air. So I was just listening. I was a podcast or reading a book. I can't remember. But they were talking about most of the greatest inventors, creators, writers, writers um, would get their inspiration on walks. I just read this, but it was it was just amazing phenomenon that they whoever was studying it found that you know as brilliant as they were, you can only get so far in a lab, you can only get so far sitting in front of the piano. Sometimes you just have to get up and go on those walks. Is that uh, is that Seth's book? Because I came across that too, and I know you and I and Dr. Elise are all reading Seth Godin's song. That might be be it. Yeah, but I I remember. I, I think it was even. I know Nietzsche was was famed for his walks but even da vinci um would would walk about town and people would just think he was mad as he and sometimes he was just you know kind of stomping to to get the energy out but also to allow his brain just to kind of breathe rather than focus so i think we're getting for me we're getting into you know the enneagram talks about three centers of intelligence our head our heart Mm -hmm. and our gut and our society more than ever before in human history is now neck up Right. I mean, most of our jobs, not everybody, but most of our jobs revolve around thinking. We live in an information age. Most people listening probably aren't in physical labor. Um, You know, most of the jobs are going in that direction. Our schools are in that direction. And to vacate doesn't just it's not a geographical change. It's just shifting your center of intelligence to get into a heart space, to get into a body action space. That, by definition, is a vacating of your normal way of navigating your world. So, I mean, to, to take that a step further, just spending time in your own home, doing some mindfulness exercises, some meditation, some breathing, even some yoga can be a vacation from the everyday. Yeah, bringing it down, bringing some of these things down from the, well, someday on my bucket list, I'll go to Hawaii and take my family and grandkids and blah, 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 blah. We're just deluding ourselves when we play this game. Your grandkids don't care about Hawaii. They do not. I have, again, done so many funerals where people rarely talk about Hawaii. What they talk about is sitting on the back porch, sipping lemonade, talking to their grandparent, or going on that walk. Or um, one of my favorite memories is growing up in Omaha, Nebraska, and going to the College World Series every year. Mm-hmm. And we got it. We got there too late for one of the games, and it was a doubleheader, my dad and I. And so we just decided we were going to wait for the second game to start, and we sat outside in the grass, and we watched a caterpillar being eaten by ants. I mean, it was like this conversation about mortality. And I just remember talking to my dad, and maybe I was 8 or 10, and he was explaining to me life and death. And I go back to that memory that was free. It was, it was, it was sort of like the crack between the vacation, between the experiences. 
And that's what I remember. I can tell you who won. I couldn't tell you who played in the game. I could just tell you sitting there with my dad, who's no longer on this earth, talking, having a meaningful conversation while sitting in the grass is a cherished vacation. What a beautiful memory. And I, I hope be, you got a couple selfies and maybe a photo of that caterpillar, right? I mean, you got a video of it. To put I on have a Kodak, uh, you know, one of those. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, no, no, just, I mean, to point out, you didn't because it didn't exist, but it exists in your mind. And I think we need to return to that, to the fact that these memories are so much more beautiful when we allow them to exist in our mind. No, and I've said this many times and, and, and you know, shared this idea with many people, no camera we currently have in existence can replicate what the human eye, what the human mind can take in. Because it's not just the human eye, it's not just the lens, but it's what we're taking in in our full senses right mind body spirit is taking in and when we allow ourselves to do that without looking through our screens it has a far greater impact and i come back to funerals a lot because they impacted me deeply i think you just can't do 500 funerals or whatever it was without i don't know being impacted and nobody did a slideshow Maybe they did it at the reception afterwards or something like that. But the funeral itself, above the casket, nobody brought out every single effing selfie that was ever taken of this person. There, there wasn't a single picture. Maybe there was a, a still picture on a frame on top of the casket, but that was rare. What would do we talk about? We talked about, well, memories. We talked about experiences. People would share random stuff. It was, it was you know... People don't realize this. It's rarely the big planned vacations. It's mostly those throwaway lines that you think are throwaways, but that's actually what's being remembered by your child or your grandchild. And I just challenge everybody listening to this. Think about, am I in one of those throwaway lines, those throwaway experiences right now in between the vacation, getting to the vacation, sitting on the airplane that now is stuck on the tarmac with my kid for an extra two mm -hmm. hours Dan's creeping out here, but what, but asking yourself, what if this is the memory that sticks? What if this is the eulogy material? What mm -hmm. if this is, you know, been passed on to a grand great grandchild about you should have known your grandma because here's a memory, just catching those things and taking a mental picture. You can't take a, a physical picture of that. Well, and those times don't happen with intent when we're busy running about place to place to make sure that we get to the ride at Disney or we get on the plane to Hawaii or, or we're following the schedule. Those moments of when we're stressed to make things happen often don't happen. It's the time in between. It's the relaxed time. It's the time sitting on the back porch or waiting for the game to start, or it's, it's the times we least expect it that we have to be attending to not staring at our phones. When, when these moments happen, when these memories are created, and saying to yourself intentionally, this is the vacation, vacating, right? The traffic to the beach is the vacating. It's part of the journey. It's not the destination. I think if you can do that, you then, you know, transform the 24-hour ordeal to get home. It doesn't make it go away. I can still hear it in your voice. You're still paying the price for it, but it makes it meaningful. Absolutely. I, and, and honestly, even though I, I am literally still paying for it physically, and I think a little bit mentally after that trip, the, uh, uh, the it was actually 48 hours to get home. Thank you, Air Canada. Um, but what a, again, um, I could have been, I could have been a complete ass um, 
uh, I have that ability. Uh, but recognizing what an amazing, for me, um, as a leader of a group of, of, of high school students and, and one of the parents, like what an opportunity to show grace, to demonstrate like, hey, here's how we handle difficult times to, you know, here's how we treat people that are trying to help us, even though we're in a really bad mood and have been sitting on the tarmac for three hours in a hot airplane as our connecting flight home disappears and we know we'll never get home, right? So much opportunity. And, and even if those kids weren't there, so much opportunity just for those around us to teach, to be like, hey, you know, I get it. You're stressed out, but you don't have to treat these other people poorly. Or there's other ways to handle stress. You don't have to go to the airport bar and start throwing back those shots. Yeah, and this is um, the back to the Lego movie. This is how you defy the craggle by saying there ain't no manual for this one, kids. And we're just going to build something creative out of the Legos that we got. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of the deal. And if I think if you have that mindset, vacations not only become uh, meaningful, but they are expanded. It's no longer just the Hawaii or whatever. So that's my that's my hope for whoever's listening, that if you're on a vacation, if you're going on a vacation, right, that it's truly a vacating of the routines that become ruts, that become graves. So we can destroy the craggle once and for all and live a more creative, imaginative and meaningful life. Any final words, my friend? Yeah, you know, for those, I know I was reminded this week, um, for many people, sadly, this is the end of summer. This is the beginning of school planning season. Don't let that be a reason not to vacate. As B and I talked about, it doesn't have to be a week or two weeks. It can be a weekend, right? At the time we're recording 30 minutes, this. 30 minutes listening to your podcast. There you go. It can be Labor Day weekend with friends or at the beach or in the woods, a plan. You know, and I think that's the other part. The human mind, the human spirit needs these times to look forward to. I've seen that more and more in my 25 years in psychotherapy. If, if you don't have something to look forward to, if you don't have a vacate, a vacation, a break to look forward to, life can get pretty mundane. It can become nearly meaningless. So plan these times ahead, big times, little times, weeks away, moments away, so that you have these things to look forward to. Amen. Well, I'm glad you're no longer vacating and you're back to the routine of uh, recording. Absolutely. You and me both, brother. To all of our friends out there, live with meaning, purpose, and resilience. Jump over to um, the meaningacademy.com where you can learn about our meaning masterminds every Thursday from at three o'clock Eastern time, where we just jump on and have a meaningful conversation with fellow meaning seekers. And we would love to see you there until the next time. Again, meaning, purpose, and resilience. We'll talk to you then. Take care. You've been listening to the Meaning Academy podcast with your hosts, Dr. Daniel Franz and Dr. Baruch Halevi. If you found meaning in what you've heard, please leave us a five-star review and be sure to share this with fellow meaning seekers. And don't forget to check us out at themeaningacademy.com where you can learn how to join our weekly virtual and complimentary meaning masterminds. Until the next time, get out there and live your purpose and discover your meaning.